I'm excited and thankful to be here with you today to continue our summer-long series called One Thing Remains. The beginning of the summer, we focused on one scripture that resonated through everything that we've shared up to this point. It came from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It's what Paul said as he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and it says this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So when we say one thing remains, what we're talking about is the love of Jesus. How everything else will fail, but the love of Jesus won't. And so faith, hope, and love are our last three focuses of this summer. And we started this summer by talking about Jonah. And we talked about how God's love resonated throughout that whole story. And the same thing with Ruth when we talked about her. And then last weekend, Pastor Kristen did a fantastic job of talking about how faith in God can bring about some amazing miracles. It was so cool to watch that and to to experience what God has been doing in her life. And so if you missed that message, I just want to encourage you to go back and to watch it and to remind yourself of who our God is. Because all of us need these reminders. We need reminders that God is still moving. He's still working. And he's still doing miracles today. He hasn't stopped. He is the same God that we talked about in the the book of Jonah, the same God in the book of Ruth, and he's still working miracles today. So Pastor Kristen talked about how with her faith in God, she was blessed, and her husband Jake was blessed with two amazing kids. And our God wants to bless us. He wants to be with us. He wants our faith to grow. And so we're talking about faith today as well for a bit because we're talking about the second emphasis of the big three, and that's hope. And there's hope in faith, and there's also, next week we'll see, there's hope in love as well. But as I went to go start thinking and praying about the message of hope, I'll be honest with you, I've never really thought about it before. I've thought a lot about faith, and I've thought a lot about love, but for me, hope was always kind of like the weird middle child. And I can say that because I'm a middle child as well, by like 47 minutes, but it still counts. And so I, I kind of just didn't really ponder about hope too much. So I started thinking about it, and, and what God was bringing to my mind specifically wasn't necessarily the most hopeful times of my life, but kind of the opposite. I started to think about the most hopelessness times that I've ever been through. And in those times, I really cared about hope. When I felt at my wit's end, I wanted to do anything, claw, tooth, and nail, to get that hope back. So as I was thinking about it, I realized that there has been three times in my life where I felt the most hopeless. The first time, I was 11. And to give you a little backstory, when I was 10, I got to sit down, me, my brother, my sister, with my parents, and they told us that they were thinking of getting a divorce, but they did not want to. They wanted to stay together for us. They, they loved us. They wanted to stay together for us, and that felt great. The next year, they told us that they were having a divorce, and I was lost. I felt like my family had shattered my hope, my desire for our family to stay together the way that it was then was never going to be true. I'll tell you this, but I haven't seen my parents talk to each other in like 20 years. And at the time, I started to ask myself, well, if they loved me so much last year, why don't they love me enough this year? And I know as an adult, it doesn't make sense, but at that point, it did. I desired that family. I wanted to be a part of something where that love was always going to be lasting, and I couldn't find it in my family. Thankfully, a few years later, I heard about Jesus. 
And I got to hear about how he loves me no matter what and that he will never fail and that love is always going to endure. So I put my faith and my hope not only in my earthly family, but now it was in God and I had new life with him. A few years later, I was a sophomore in college, and at this point, I had been practicing Christianity. I had been with Jesus in a relationship for for years now, so I should have known better. But there's a series of events that happened one after another that led me to a time of hopelessness. The first one, I had this friend group that was really close, and because of this stupid fight, as that happens sometimes, kind of broke apart. And I thought, man, I'm never going to trust people like I trusted these guys. And then I was dating a girl at the time. We'd been dating for six months. I thought she was the one, and I'm so thankful she's not uh, because I have an amazing wife. No, that, wasn't, that sounded like really bad for her. She was great, I guess. Uh, but my, my current wife is way better. So, um, so anyway, but at the time, whenever we broke up, I thought, like, never going to be dating someone again, never finding happiness again in this. My hope, again, shattered. And then right after that, my mentor and me had a disagreement of falling out, and that relationship broke. Now, I'm not someone that lets people win too easily. It takes usually a while to get really comfortable. But when people are in, I assume that they're going to stay forever. So when this happened, my hope in relationships, again, was shattered. About a year later, after I had walked away, honestly, from, from the church, I, I stopped praying, stopped reading the Bible, wasn't going to church, a friend of mine wanted to hang out. And so I said, oh, sure. So I started hanging out with him. And he noticed something was wrong. I don't know if he could have pinpointed, like, hey, you don't have any hope right now. But he knew something was wrong, so he started asking me questions like, how was your relationship with God going? And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. He'd be like, well, what are you reading in the Bible? And I was like, Jesus, okay? Because that's the answer you give, right? Uh, God, love, <laughs> I know all about it. And as we were talking, eventually he like broke through. And I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I haven't done any of this stuff for about a year. And he asked me why, and I finally poured out my heart, and he reminded me again about the hope of God, for the fact that he's never leaving me. Even if other people abandon me, God is never doing that. He will never fail. And so once again, my hope pivoted for myself to him. And I would love to say, well, okay, I learned my lesson. I've never put my hope in myself again or my circumstances. But my most recent time of hopelessness happened about 10 months ago. I had, at the same time, different people. This wasn't a collective effort. This was different people family members and friends make declarations that they were walking away from the faith. And this was hard for me. And I'll be honest, and this is going to sound selfish, and I shouldn't have been, but when I felt them walking away from God, I felt like it was also them walking away from me. And it hurt. It hurt my heart so much, I wasn't ready for that blow to think that maybe I wouldn't be able to spend eternity in heaven with my loved ones. But in that time, I just felt no hope. So what I decided to do was, again, not right, but put my hope in me and what I could find out about their doubts to try to answer their questions. Now, at this point, it'd be helpful to maybe define what hope is. We've talked about it a lot already, but let me, let me go to the, the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, big word, for, name for a book, but it's a good book. And they define hope as this, to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. So when I said I, I put my hope in my ability to find answers, I was looking forward to that day that I was going to solve the mysteries of the universe, all the doubts that my friends and family had, and I would be able to go to them and say, well, here's the thing. Here are the answers. And they would go, wow, this is amazing. Now I'm a believer again. Unfortunately, it 
doesn't really work that way. Unfortunately, they still have to make a choice, and the unwilling generally don't like to hear evidence, no matter how good the evidence is. And in fact, no matter how many times that I thought, okay, I could just convince them and put them back into the fold of Christianity, they still have free will, and they could make that choice. But even though that's true, I just kept doing more and more reading and digging. Try to find out all the answers again to their current doubts, but then I started to try to figure out what might their doubts be in the future? What might my current loved ones that still follow Jesus, what might they ask later? So I kept reading and reading, and then I started to think, okay, the enemy is a trickster and a liar, so how is the enemy going to trick my loved ones? So I started to put my mind in the mindset of the enemy to try to figure out what might happen in the future. I don't know the future, but I was trying to put all of that, their eternity, on my shoulders. And I found myself in a pretty scary place. I'm honest. There's a book, Lord of the Rings, and the Fellowship of the Ring, this character Gandalf talks about how he had this friend who was a good guy, Saruman, but now is a bad guy. And while he's talking about it, he said he turned to the evil side because he delved too deeply into what the enemy was doing, so much so that he was tricked and his mind fell to the ploys of the enemy. Now, I don't think my mind was tricked so much that it fell to the ploys, but in some ways, my hope started to wane more and more. The more I learned, it wasn't like all of a sudden I was like, all right, we're good. But I started to feel that my faith throughout this process was tested. I didn't know why at the time, but now I do. It's because faith and hope are intertwined. Hebrews 11.1 defines faith for us, and it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. It is the reality of what we hope for. So again, When I misplaced my hope, instead of it being in God, and I put it on my shoulders, that was when my faith was tested. Now, I didn't really want to tell you this in all honesty. As your pastor, this isn't one of the easier things to share. I'd much rather share about some stupid thing I did in high school or in college. But this is something that's recent, and I felt God was prompting me because, in truth, we all struggle with doubts at some point in our life. Or we struggle with hardships that happen in life, and in those moments, we must turn to God. When I was at my most hopeless time, I really felt, and I don't know if you'll track with this, there's this movie called The Dark Knight Rises about Batman, and there's this part where Batman has his, his back broken, and he's thrown in the pit, and it feels like he's never getting out. I felt like that. I felt how I'd been worrying and stressing and putting so much weight on my shoulders that I felt so hopeless that I finally looked up to God and said, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to be God anymore of my life. I need you to be God, and I trust you. I know that I'll never know all the answers, but you do it. I know that you're going to pursue my friends and my family to their last breath, and you're going to give them time after time opportunities to follow you, and I just can't do it anymore. And in that moment, I felt such relief and peace and joy putting my hope back in God. Now, I don't know exactly why I was put in that situation, but I do know that God used it to help strengthen me. I know that now because recently I heard something that Pastor Craig Rochelle said. He said, doubt is not the enemy of faith. Doubt is often an invitation to a deeper faith. And since hope and faith are intertwined, when our hope is put only in God, Our faith is going to strengthen. And when we have those doubts that try to attack that, God can give us that invitation. And that's what happened in my life. I was given an invitation to grow deeper with God, and I'm so thankful now that he walked me through that because of what I know. 
And I share that with you today because this message is for you. If you are currently struggling with hopelessness, maybe a friend has walked out on you, someone has cheated on you, a job has wronged you, or you're asking questions to God, what are the answers to the universe? Or maybe you're just looking at the world and you're saying, this isn't how it should be, or I wish it was how it used to be. If you're feeling this hopelessness, this message is for you because there is hope to be found. And it's not in ourselves. And it's not in how good we can be or how much we can know. There's someone that is much greater than us, that has all the answers, that has everything in his hands, and his name is God. And we learn about him in God's word in the book of Romans. It was a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And he says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, the God of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is hope because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did. He came to this earth 100% man and 100% God. And as he lived, he helped people to find that hope isn't found in ourselves, but in God and something greater. And what he did on this earth by dying and rising again He became the centerpiece to all civilization. All of history has changed because of what he did. You even look at morality and how we view it today. All of it is based on the words of God. And Jesus taught so much of that when he was on this earth. And for the last 2,000 years, billions of lives have been changed by people putting their hope and their faith in God. And so today, I want to remind you, whether you feel like you have hope or not, there is hope in this world and it's brought to us by Jesus. He gave us the keys to eternity, but he's also given us the opportunity to walk in step with him on this planet. We can do life with the creator of the world. Every day we can wake up and we can join in what he's doing right now. And when we put our hope in God, we know that we'll never be disappointed. And we know that because it says that literally in God's word. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. What an encouragement and, honestly, challenging But ultimately, when we put our hope in God, we won't see disappointment because he never fails. And this is our take-home point. It's the one point that this message is all about. And it's one that I pray that you'll take heart right now if you're going through a hopeless time. Or hold on to it for three weeks or three years or whenever it is that you're starting to feel hopeless. Or maybe you'll take it and you'll share it with a loved one who is in a time of hopelessness. Our take-home point is this. Our hope in God never leads to disappointment in the end. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't endure hardships ever. It doesn't mean that we'll never have problems. I mean, Romans 5, 1 through 5 does say we will rejoice too, but it doesn't say we'll rejoice too when everything's easy or when our bank account overflows or when our spouse can read our mind perfectly and know exactly what we want or when our kids never talk back to us. 
or our workplace is just that perfect place and our boss is amazing. It says we will rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. I look back at the year I had. I look back at 10 months ago and I see that during that time, God grew my endurance and my character and ultimately my hope in salvation. I look at it and say, there's not too many times in my life where I've grown a character trait out of a good, easy time. Most of the time when I've learned and I've grown as a person, it's because some problem has come before me. I don't know if that's true for you as well. But even in this situation, I know that as I started to ask questions and I sought God and I finally went, God, I I need you to tell me some of these answers because I don't know them. I started to finally understand what Jesus said that was recorded in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, I knew that verse, but I don't know if I ever completely dove into what it meant to love the Lord your God with all your mind. This year, I discovered it. As God started to help me to dive deeper into figuring out some of the mysteries that we can know, because we can't know everything, but there's certainly stuff, whether it's through logic or history or science or experience that we could find out about God. And through that, God started to bring people into my life that had questions. And I started to realize, wait a second, I know some of that answer. And so I say, actually, I had that very same question just recently, and we talked through it. And then someone else would come to me with a different question and go, wow. No way. Like, I I know how we can talk about it. I mean, listen, this isn't any bragging point. This is all bragging about God and what he could do and how he can teach us. Because like 10 months, 11 months ago, I had no idea what the uh, second law of thermodynamics was, nor did I know what the word thermodynamics was. I didn't know that thing existed. And now, though, I can say, well, that helps to point us to the fact that the world had a beginning and the world had a creator. I can look at the literature of the New Testament and say that there were between 30 years and 300 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, there were over 25,000 copies of what was written about Jesus. Now, that's remarkable. In most history settings, we have like 8 to 20 copies of a document of, say, something about Caesar that would pop up maybe 2,000 years later, maybe 1,000 years later. And so even the most atheistic textual identifier will say, well, the New Testament is a real document, and, and people really did write it down about Jesus. They must have believed what was happening was true. And so I can point to those things, and I've been able to in conversations with people only because of what God has done in my life. And so we can rejoice in negative times again, not because we love the pain, but because we know that God can use it for his ultimate glory. And I remember recently, it was a couple weeks ago, someone called up and said, hey, can we get together? I have some faith questions. And I remember thinking in the moment, like, yeah, let's do this. But there was definitely a time a year ago that I might have been like, hey, Pastor Chris, can I like put you in my ear? And so like as this person asks questions, I can just, hmm, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then you can tell me the answers. But it's cool because as we go through life, God helps us to grow, and sometimes it's during negative situations. The artist Andrew Peterson said this in his song, Always Good, this heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could, and your, meaning God, are always good. Not sometimes, but God, you're always good. And isn't that true? 
when we go through hard times, what are we more likely to do? We call out to God and we say, I need your help. In the good times, we shouldn't, but sometimes we forget to do that. But through those hardships, we are drawn closer to God. And when we go through them, we can be confident that God can work whatever it is that we're going through for his good and his ultimate glory. We know this again from that same letter to the church in Rome. It says this in 828, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, it doesn't mean that this is a promise that everything is going to be easy for the rest of our lives, but it does mean that God can use whatever it is that comes in our way for his ultimate glory and his kingdom. So whenever we are going through whatever it is, we can think to ourselves, all right, well, I have hope and the one that gives life on this earth, abundant life when we trust in him, and eternal life to come. And we can live in such a way that when people see us, they'll notice that there's something different. So much so that when hard things are going on and our hope is found in God, people will ask us, what is happening? And our only response will be, well, God, this happened in my life. And he's where I stand, even through the chaos, even through when everything is bad. And in doing that, what happens is hope becomes a weapon that we can use against the enemy. What it does is it redirects the enemy's attacks against us, and it becomes something that God can use for good. When he presents us with obstacles, God can use them to help us grow. I don't know if you've ever watched Star Wars, but it's kind of like the Jedis who have their lightsabers, and whenever there's blaster fire against them, they like bat the blaster fire like a, like a baseball, but they don't only just like knock it away, they redirect it and hurt the enemy, and that's what we can do when we have faith and hope in Jesus and the one who was, who is, and is to come. It's why it's such a shame that modern Christians, most modern Christians, have about as much hope as the averagely optimistic atheist where we think and we worry so much instead of saying, all right, God, I'm putting all of this, all of my hope in you, the one who created everything, who knows the future, who has all of it in your hands. And we can trust in the fact that God can do more in us than we can think or imagine. Again, we're going back to the, the letter to Rome, and it says this in 8.11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living with you, by the same spirit, the Holy Spirit that's living within us. What that means is that the resurrection power that was in Jesus to bring him back from the dead is in us right now if we've given our hope and our trust to Jesus. So God can do more and more than we think and imagine. So whenever there seems to be an obstacle that's too big in our way, it's not too big. There's no problem that's that outside of God's power. There's nothing that we have done, even if we've caused in our life, that God can't overcome. So whatever it is, whatever we're facing, let us put our hope in God. Let us trust in him. Let us work for his kingdom and his glory, knowing that he can take even the worst situations and turn them for good. One of my favorite verses in, in all of God's word and one of the most encouraging ones to me comes from 1 Corinthians. Again, a letter that Paul wrote this time to the church in Corinth. And he says this in 15, 57 through 58. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 
So as we wake up every day, what if we say, God, whatever comes in our way, we're going to work it out for your good. We're going to work for you because we know that when we're working for God, it's never useless. And then when those hard times come, we can say, all right, well, God has it. And what he can do in my life is create endurance and character and hope because he's just that good. He is the rock of ages. He is the one that stands firm. He is the one that only, the only one that could defeat sin and death and their hold on our lives. So let's have confidence in that God and his power. S.M. Lockridge reminds us of God's power when he said, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree, and Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. And although that's true, sometimes we look and say, well, my problem is too big. It's not too big. It's not too potent for God to to handle it. Let's take heart. God has overcome the world. And so as we go through whatever it is, let us lift it up to God and say, I need your help. We glorify God when we say and we admit we got problems and we need you, whether it's a doubt or a trouble or a heartache, when we say, God, I need you during this, we glorify God, and we, when we call upon him, he will listen. Earlier, I talked about how we all need to hear about how God is moving around us, how he's still doing miracles. After last service, someone came up and said, they've come up to the prayer partners after service five times now, and he said, after all those times, God in some way, generally not the way he thought, answered those prayers, and he said it was amazing, and then he stopped and said, I guess why am I praying if I don't assume that he's going to answer us? And I thought that was a good answer because God is going to hear when we cry out to him and he is going to answer, sometimes not in the way that we want. An example, last week I was struggling, just being honest. I had something that I heard that one of my family members did and it crushed me. It frustrated me and it made me just feel so deflated. That very night I was speaking at New Life Students and As I went to go speak, I just had these problems in my family on my head. And again, I was creeping close to that time of hopelessness. I was trying my best to try to put it in God, but I just wasn't doing well that night. I got done speaking, and I remember having this conversation with God where I was talking to him kind of like a petulant child. God, come on. Like, why again? Why did this happen? And then I went, and and it was with our small group. And then afterwards, my prayer partner came up to me, and he said, hey, I need to tell you something. God put this on my heart, and I don't know if you need to hear this, but God wanted me to tell you that he has not forgotten your brother or your sister, and he still holds them in his hands. And I think, I said, man, you don't know how much I needed to hear that tonight. And then he said, oh, that's good, because God told me that a couple months ago, and I completely forgot about it. And so I, but I needed it. I needed it in that moment. I I needed to hear what God was doing That night I went home and I was feeling, okay, God, you could do more. You could do more than I think. Uh, About a half an hour later, I got a text from Bethany Bowser, who is our New Life Students Administrator, and she said, hey, I just want you to know that during the message tonight, one of her girls in small group gave her life over to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it was like, what? Tonight, tonight when I was feeling miserable, tonight in my weakness, God still was strong. And it just reminded me so much of how when we put our hope in God, will never be disappointed. So today, whatever you're going through, make no mistake, it is not outside the purview of God's power. God understands what you're going through and he wants to walk with you through that. 
He wants to help you and bring you aid and help you develop endurance and character and hope in salvation. So let us do that this week. Let us do that with this next step, which says, I will hope in God no matter what this week. And I know that's a challenge because we don't know what's coming up this week. But we do know that God already knows. He's aware of it. He has a plan for it. He has the power to handle it. So if he's aware of it and he knows about it, then we can have confidence to walk into whatever it is that is in our path, knowing that God is bigger than all of it. So let's put our hope in God. If you have been stuck feeling hopelessness without God in your life, today that can change. When you accept Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, you get to experience this peace, this hope, this joy that nothing in this world can explain. But those are the things that we are given when we become His, when we give up ownership of our lives and just give everything over to Jesus. And here at New Life, we say that it is as simple as ABC. A, we admit that we are sinners and that we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And B, we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And C, we confess. We confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we commit to following Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. You can pray it with me, or you can pray it in your own words. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner. And God, I've been living a life that has been hopeless at times. And I admit that I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I need the hope that I can only get from Him, Lord. And I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that He is your Son and that He died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, He rose again. And God, I just confess Jesus Christ right now as my Lord and Savior. And I commit to following Him every day. And Lord, I thank you for this hope that I can now have, this peace, this joy, this love, all of these things, Lord, that can only come from you. And I thank you for this free gift of salvation that you give, Lord. And it's in your Son, Jesus' name, that I pray. 